Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From The Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network and wherever podcasts may be found. floater in my eye right oh i've had floaters for years and it just it's right in the middle it's right in the middle of my eyes so when i stare at something for a long time it just it just shows up and i'm like hey i mean i and i try to catch it despite the <laughs> fact that i know i can't i knew it sucked because i got my eyes dilated a few weeks ago and so i thought oh oh it's gone because i think dialing my eyes kind of like displaced it but yeah. then it just came back this past week and i'm like damn it it's back my favorite is walking out when it just snowed and it's super bright outside and every time you move your eyeballs you're like what's that What's yes, that? I What's always that? think that something's getting me. And oh, it's, it's, not. Just it's just my floater. floater. <laughs> it's just my floater. Guys, that's what age does to you. It gives you eye floaties. And I went to the eye doctor a few months ago. And there's and like, was, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I was like, I have all of these like very scary seeming like shadows in my eyeballs. And she's like, oh, that's normal. I'm like, no, it's not normal. Yeah. This no, is normal. not normal. Yeah, it's normal. Welcome to Rock Candy Podcast. Well, welcome to old age. Welcome and complaining to old about age, it. the podcast. Awful. Today's topic is eye floaters. Floaties. <laughs> what to do about them? Nothing. You can't do shit about them. Deal with them. <laughs> and we're done. And that's it. We'll see you guys next week. And now here we come in with Rock Candy Podcast. Your okay. weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the wonderful world of music. Yay. In the crazy world of music. Yeah. The bizarre world of music. The heartwarming world of music. Yes. The heroine. <laughs> Actually, so much heroin. you know what? Spoiler. No heroine in this episode. Thank God. Get ready, I, I make no promises for next week, but... But uh... it's still not great. <laughs> so, welcome to May. It's May 1st. Mm-hmm. May thirst, even. We are drinking, so it's always thirst for us. Mm-hmm. And it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So we are doing artists all month who have, their art has been touched and who they are as people have been touched by just the mental illnesses that they have presented. We might hit some artists that are a little more obscure, uh, but, but I, you know, I think it's still really important. And, and they I think are- they're super worthy of being talked about. Fascinating. Yeah. And they have influenced a lot of others. So get very, that going very for heavily. you. Get that going for you. Uh, this week- The first one we are starting off with is a man named Wesley Willis. And all of you are going, who? Yeah, 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 you are. But before I even get into that, I do want to cite my biggest source, which was a documentary called Wesley Willis Joyrides. I highly suggest if you can find it, you watch it. It was hard for me to find, so I need to shout out our friend Matt of the band, the local Troy band Finial, because he... Helped me find that documentary. (laughs) Go check them out. They play open mic at Rustic Barn all the time. 
They're pretty good. But no, they are actually really good. You should totally check them out. They have a Facebook page and they got some songs up. Listen to them. Do it. Hey, we're a music podcast. We're talking about music. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> oh my God. And also, I would like to shout out, I guess, the beers we're drinking tonight. Oh. If we have to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Actually, it my idea was hilarious. Your idea was really good. Unfortunately, you didn't have some such great stuff to work with. I didn't. All right. So tonight, we have two premiere beers. Beers to premiere? They weren't premiere beers. I'm going to tell you that right up front. Yeah, no. So first, we have Fuller's London Pride Original Ale. And secondly, we have Goose Island Parka Porter. Now, you might be wondering, why are you drinking two beers? What's going on here? Well, the Fuller's London Pride is because you got to rock over London, right? And then the Goose Island is made in Chicago, and you got to rock on Chicago. And as you will learn in this episode, rock over London, rock on Chicago is a very important phrase in Wesley Willis's zeitgeist. Look, guys, it's hard to find a beer sometimes. Oh, it was very hard to find a beer. And honestly, at this point, I was like, you guys don't even know who Wesley Willis is. Yeah, so I'm going to just, I'm going to have fun with this. And creative wise, I did have fun. You did. Taste wise, it wasn't a great time. But you know what? Sometimes the fun thing about doing this podcast and trying to find a thematic beer every episode is the challenge of finding it. Yeah, you might look a little bit weird hanging out in the beer store for like an hour. Oh, they definitely think we're they creeps. They stare at you and they ask you a million times if they can help you. But eventually, after I think like, they think I'm lost. After like number five, after um, attempt number five to help you, uh, they kind of give up. It's so. Like- I think they know what they're doing. Yeah. Maybe. Because every time they ask you if you need help, I I always contemplate being like, see, I have this podcast. Right. And then going into it, but I know they don't want to hear it. No, so they don't want to hear it. And they then, like, want have... me to say no. Yeah, you want me to say so no. So I just say, I, you know what? It's better for all of us if I just say no. Yeah. I mean, unless I'm looking for a specific beer, which is basically never... I'm just going to say no, I'm good. And the times that I am looking for a specific beer, it's fucking gone. Yeah, you had it three days ago. Yeah. Where is it now? Now gone. that it's payday, it's gone. Gone. Great. Super great. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, the Goose Island is a Goose Island. <laughs> it's a honker, all it- right. I <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there. It's not great, guys. It's terrible. It is quite possibly one of the worst porters I've ever had. I don't think it's but, a porter. Um, it's not a porter. Goose Island doesn't know what a porter is. Do they know what beer is? I think because that they I'm... just took an IPA and put like brown food dye in it. And they we're like, that's a they porter. They put the caramel coloring in it that yeah. Coca-Cola has. It tastes like an IPA with Coca-Cola flavoring in it. That's, that's ex- it. Goose Island, you fucked up. Well, Fuller's isn't that much better. If this is what you got shown for your London Pride, guys, I might put it away. <laughs> You don't need to show your, your pride pride. away. Yeah, you know what? There's nothing to be prideful you know what? here. You have to hide your pride away. Oh, look at you. Music podcast. <laughs> Music podcast? Oh my God, what is this? <laughs> oh, seriously, what is this? What are we doing? What are our lives? What is this wizardry? Music podcast. <laughs> Unicorns. Burn them at the stake. What are they doing? If someone hears this podcast, they're going to think we're <laughs> witches and tell the church. If they know that we know something about music, they'll tell the men. And then the men will be so afraid of us. 
Actually, I feel like this is all really accurate. This is kind of accurate. Yeah. Like, we're joking, but now I feel like we're not joking. That just means we're very powerful witches. I'm okay with that. I feel like a powerful witch sometimes. It's fine. It's Stevie Nicks' influence. Let's just blame her. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. And rightfully so. She should take that to heart. Yeah. Thanks, Stevie. <laughs> and then... And then- the fucking Wilson sisters can't come over too. Uh, heart. We're talking about heart. No, I'm just music podcast. Music podcast. <laughs> Fuck. This is just to make up for all the times we get really political. I'm tired. Yeah. We have had a nerdy emotional weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. Cut us some fucking slack. Music podcast. Music podcast. Cut us some slack. A lot of people died in our in our our nerdy lexicon. Well, you don't this even weekend. care about one of them. I, no, I don't give a shit about Endgame. But when like I you am, know that that's like that's that's big to me. Right. That's why I'm saying a lot okay. of people died in our nerdy lexicons. Yeah, they did though. This weekend. No spoilers. But it's been a, it's been a it's been an emotional roller coaster ride of fandom for us this weekend. And we would appreciate your respect and condolences at this time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Respect. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a podcast. It's about music. Oh my God, are we high? Music podcast. <laughs> we're not even drunk. We're I just, I'm, yeah, you're we're right. tired and emotionally drained. It's fine. Yeah. It's been a wave of emotions. Good. Both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. Okay. Music podcast. We're doing it. So, Wesley Willis. So let me just start off by saying that many think a true creative has a little madness inside of them. And maybe that's true. Real genius coming from the demons held within you. And who's going to relate to the average person more than someone who's seen and felt some dark shit? Mm -hmm. This man's complete body of work, with art both musical and visual, is very much a reflection of the storm that was brewing inside of him. Now I'm going to assume... Right up front, as I did before, as did Ashley, that I'm saying the name Wesley Willis, and you're wondering who the hell I am talking about. Yeah. And that's because this man never really became famous. Oh, yeah, he has his following in the underground, but in terms of anything mainstream, not so much. Yeah. And I don't even remember how I heard of him. I just discovered him in college with my college roommates. We I don't even know how we found the songs, but we ended up stumbling across him and his songs and we're like this is weird and we became obsessed with it i feel like we kind of grew up in that magical time this tiny little cusp of the early 2000s sharing music when we were in that music sharing bubble and whether that was something like a peer-to-peer file or even like in college or like, like grab other people's files like on your college networks i don't think we had that Oh, we had but, that but um be- well, I went to a public college, so it, it wasn't private. So maybe they didn't We're liberal have- arts school, man. Everything's oh, well, free. I went to SUNY. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. <laughs> it was like this little microcosm of a time where we could go on like file sharing websites. And through that file sharing website, you could just find new artists. Yeah. Or you could go on MySpace and MySpace. MySpace was great for discovering new music or like, you know, your college radio station or something like that. Right. And it was like the the beginning of big internet. 
big internet. Big internet. It's a new thing. It's Move big over internet. big pharma. We got big internet. We got big internet. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous. I also until like 2010 or 11 ish. I spent a lot of time just kind of sitting on my computer, yep. doing nothing. I never do that anymore. Yo, your MySpace page looked great. It looked fantastic. <laughs> I taught myself. Cultivated. I taught myself uh, HTML color codes. My live journal was on point. Oh yes, live oh, journal too. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh Bringing it back. The point is, I don't even know how I discovered Wesley Willis. This guy was a complete like underground phenomenon though yeah and his story is a pretty amazing one that i believe needs to be told and while it does have a sad ending it has some pretty hilarious stories peppered in there and some interesting music to say the least so interesting that i'm actually gonna play some for you throughout the episode because there is absolutely no way i can explain it yeah you kind of can't go through a story of Wesley Willis without playing his music. It's you have yeah. to get that experience to under to to even begin <laughs> to, to grasp a concept of Wesley Willis. Yeah, because his music is so intertwined with who he is yes. as a person and personality yes. wise. Yes. That like way more so than any other artist I think we've covered up until this point. There's some people, especially people who have very pronounced uh, mental health issues that they are very open about. Mm. Um, I feel like musicians like that, their music is totally tied to their mental illness. Right. And it's almost an extension of it. Right. And not in a bad way at all. It's just, this is how they manage it yeah i mean for for wesley wilson you'll discover throughout the episode music for him was very much a form of medication for him it was definitely a way for him to deal with this so the long and short of it wesley willis was an underground punk-esque musician and visual artist during the 80s and 90s a little bit in the early 2000s as well he was also a paranoid schizophrenic like paranoid schizophrenic yeah yeah <laughs> can, can we emphasize this enough <laughs> yeah it's it's very interesting to watch him yeah he is a prime example of outsider music so to really understand his style you need to understand this genre a little bit since music was a thing there have always been people that taught themselves how to play some to a rudimentary understanding and sometimes to a savant level of success the concept really originated sometime in like the 1920s with the French term l'art brut, meaning raw art. And actually, for most of Europe, it was used as a criticism just to say like, man, that's some real raw art. That sucks. But whereas it was it made its way to the States in the 70s and they used it to refer to work by children or the mentally ill. So. Huh. And it's also used to um, talk about not just Wesley Willis, but other artists like Daniel Johnston. Yeah. But the term outsider music became popularized by music journalists in the 90s. This music lives just beyond the establishment and tends to have a crude level of execution. But that doesn't stop it from being captivating and thought-provoking. Or just so weird you can't stop listening. (laughs) Wesley was born in May of 1963 and was a middle child somewhere in the heap of 10 kids in total. Oh my god. Lots of kids. Wow, where did where did he grow up? So they lived together in the projects of Chicago for most of his childhood. Okay. It wouldn't last, however, as his parents Annie and Walter weren't super great with what with their violent relationship and ended up divorcing and losing half their children to the system. Oh. 
So Wesley was tossed around from foster home to foster home with two of his older brothers who basically raised him. And it should come as an obvious statement when I say mental illness is kind of genetic. So they had their own set of problems to work through. In, in watching the documentary, they interview Wesley's father and one of a couple of his brothers. Yeah, his father and his brothers, like, they definitely have, like, maybe a level of, like, severe OCD, maybe their own type of schizophrenia, yeah. bipolar. You can definitely tell, like, mental illness runs pretty rampant through that family. And when you have mental illness like that, it growing up in the foster system makes it so nearly impossible to manage it. Growing up in the foster system in the 70s. Yeah. Not great. I can't, Not a good time. I can't even imagine. Not a good time. And I assume that the, the foster families he was living with probably didn't treat him or his brothers very well. Oh, I'm sure. And I mean, again, he bounced nev- around. Never got the treatment that he probably should have gotten. Well, I mean, yeah. I He definitely, you could tell, grew up with something. But we all know schizophrenia does not present till later in life. Yeah. for I think for males, it's usually like late teens- 20s late 20s mid to late 20s well finally wesley hit 18 and he had nowhere to go obviously couldn't stay in the system anymore he moved back in with his mother and her then boyfriend roger old habits die hard for annie and she was now in another severely abusive relationship Mm, i feel bad yeah because i mean maybe i would i would i mean she do i do because there's there's something there that she can't control control Roger would beat Annie regularly and make Wesley and one of his older brothers who was also living with them watch as he did it. He didn't stop there, though. He would also make them watch as their mother performed sexual acts on him. Yeah. What? Yeah. This continued for years to varying degrees. They moved in and out of homes, and Wesley lived a terribly chaotic life with his mother and her boyfriend. That is horrific. Yeah. This is for a very long time. His only escape through all of this was his art. Around the age of 15, Wesley discovered he had a true passion for drawing. He was quite talented at it, too. He had desires to be an architect and was able to draw prospective buildings and cityscapes with impressive accuracy. Hmm. It's so weird because he kind of does drawings in a fisheye lens. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. Yeah, he, he, understand, he understood perspective really well. Anyway... When he was 18, he was outside working on one of his drawings, and he managed to catch the attention of an art professor at the IIT Institute. Wesley wasn't able to get into, let alone pay for college, so the professor let him sit in on classes so he can enhance his skills. Well, that's pretty sweet. Right? Nice guy here. And let me talk about his technique for a minute, because it's pretty interesting. Wesley didn't use pencils or charcoal or paint. He used blue ballpoint pens for the drawings, and markers to color it in. He claimed he liked using blue pens because of his dream to be an architect, and they were always creating blueprints, so he needed to have blue lines. Oh, that's cute. Right? Also, his process is a unique one. He brings a giant poster board with him and just uses whatever straight edges he can find to help him make the lines of the building so clean. And sometimes he works on a table, sometimes it's just his lap. All in all, they're impressive either way. Yeah. So I mean, I can't self-taught. do that shit, that's for sure. No. That, yeah, it's kind of amazing that a dude who's just like, I'm just going to draw what I see. I can't draw what I see. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Even people that work really hard to be able to draw what they see, that's so impressive to me. Right. Because I can't, I'm, I used to be an okay artist. Like when I was growing up, 
everyone wanted me to draw their shit for them in art class, I was that person. <laughs> um, no, I don't want to do this. Can you draw this for me? Can you just draw this cat? I'm like, no, fucking draw your own cat. That's why we're here. Like, it's not a real grade. <laughs> it's fifth grade art class. But to be able to just think of something in your head and be able to translate that into a drawing. Right. I, with the perspective that is in your brain translated onto a piece of paper. Yeah. I don't. That's the disconnect for he me. He could just fill up the entire poster board. Yeah. It's and amazing. I have friends that are fucking amazing artists. And I'm just like, fuck you. I want that kind of talent. Yeah. But same. also, you're wonderful, and I love you, and also keep drawing. Yeah, don't ever stop. Can't don't, stop, won't stop. Don't stop. Well, Wesley was so impressive that he was able to make money off of his art. He would just go and sit somewhere, draw, and ask people walking around him if they wanted to buy his art. Oh. Yeah, right? And he actually managed to save up around $600 after doing this for a few years. I mean, that's... Which, like, 80s money is good, too. <laughs> In 80s money, <laughs> it's like it's Monopoly money. <laughs> well, like it's very money. brightly colored and it's tiny. I know. What would that be like 80s money? But like four grand or something? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. I don't, I don't math. Well, unfortunately, bringing it back to douchebag Roger, he would find out about the money that Wesley had made and incite an event that he would never come back from. One night, Roger went into Wesley's room while he was sleeping and shoved a gun in his face. He told Wesley to give him all of his money. I mean, so he did. That night was insanely traumatic. Here is a man who has worked very hard and managed to save up money doing something he loved. Now, up to this point, Wesley was always a little bit different. I mean, we were talking about it, he probably never got like the attention or care that he needed. Mm-hmm. But most probably just put it as maybe he's a bit mentally slow or he just doesn't understand social cues. And some have argued that he's probably on the spectrum you know, we just didn't know what the fuck the spectrum was back then. Right. And at this point, Wesley's in his mid-twenties. He remembers specifically that this was the night that he began to hear voices inside of his head. And not just his own thoughts, but other personalities yelling at him, telling him terrible things about himself. The <laughs> symptoms were only getting more and more severe. And after a few months, Wesley was finally diagnosed with chronic schizophrenia and institutionalized for a couple months. This all sounds very typical of somebody with paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. This is how it starts. This is how it starts. And I, I don't want to make this parallel, but it's only because I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Yeah. But, I mean, this is what happens when serial killers with paranoid schizophrenia, this, this is their history. Yeah. Like, there's always that one traumatic moment that is the... The switch the catalyst. It's the catalyst, and that's what makes them snap and yeah. turn into a murderous, crazy person. In his case, it turned him into a musician. Thank God, yeah. not a murderous, crazy person. I would definitely say that art saved Wesley. Yeah, if he did not have art, I don't know what would have happened to him. Yeah, but thankfully, he had art. He loved art and was talented at it. Mm-hmm. So, there we go. Well, because of all of this, Roger kicked him out, so he moved in with his father, and the only thing he knew to do was continue making art as a means to make money and get by. I'm pretty sure I can tell Roger what the fuck to do with that gun. I mean, he's probably dead. So, good. I don't know if he's dead. I'm just saying he's probably dead. Let's hope. (laughs) I'm hoping hoping Hepsi got him. Let's hope. Let's hope something got him. I hope something really shitty got him. Hepsi... Rabid 
wolf in just Chicago. Being rab- just being rabid. Yeah. Rabies. 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 Got I him. want rabies to get him. Because like, rabies is painful. Sure is. And go. the only way you can diagnose it is if you chop their head off and send it to Cornell University. Or, I mean, if you go to a doctor and say, like, hey, I got bit by a dog, I should probably get rabies shots. Yeah, but no, he didn't do that. Well, no, he wouldn't do that. No. He's an asshole. <laughs> asshole. So at this point, Wesley began to have daily visits to an art supply store called Genesis. Despite his mental health, he was a very friendly person. And after people got over the fact that they were talking to a six foot four, 300 plus pound man, he would endear himself to most people he met. He became a staple of the establishment. One of those people that he met there was Dale Miners, a local artist and musician. The two got along really well, and Wesley would end up crashing his place most of the time. And it just eventually got to a point where he basically lived there. And Dale was enamored with Wesley's no-fucks-giving attitude, and in return he would help Wesley flourish his talents into the music scene. That's nice. Now, Wesley was already a huge music fan. So yes, he has his visual arts, but music has always been a big thing for him as well. When he moved out of his dad's, Dale noticed the only things that they were taking were some clothes and boxes beyond boxes of tapes and CDs. That's because Wesley always had music with him wherever he went. When you saw him, he was always wearing a big-ass pair of headphones and constantly blasting his jams. One day, Wesley's friend Bob Fredericks was doing some field recording and walked into Genesis with a Sony tape recorder. Wesley took it from him immediately and just began to freestyle songs on it. (laughs) And just to hear himself on a tape made the floodgates of lyric writing open right up for him. That's kind of a cute story. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I think that just the type of person he was in kind of a combination with the mental illness, it just made him kind of not really care about walking up to somebody like, give me your tape recorder. I'm going to, like a kid. I'm going to. It's very much like a little bit. I'm going to start like just saying things and I want to hear what I sound like and I want to come up with stuff. And, and it, I guess like a child. What is it like to be that fearless and not give a shit about people judging you? Give it to me though. I want it. (laughs) I want that. So Dale had a band of his own and they would practice on the regular at his place. As Wesley became more comfortable with them, He kept telling them he was going to write some songs and they were going to play them. And at first they were pretty skeptical. They're like, nah, man, no, no, Wesley, no, we have our own band. We don't No, We're not going to play your songs. But after he went to them with a list of songs ready to go, they figured, what the hell? All right. And thus the Wesley Willis fiasco was born. (laughs) And this band was actually pretty good, all things considered. They were kind of like this punk rock meets spoken word ish thing okay it was pretty it was, it was pretty fun and one of my favorite wesley willis songs is from the fiasco years called i'm sorry that i got fat <laughs> later, i'm doing something about it So I, when I had my very bad body dysmorphia years and I constantly needed to put my, quote, put myself on a diet, uh-huh. I would always listen to that song. 
<laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry I got fat. I will slim down. <laughs> but also nobody was mad at you for getting fat. Right? Like, that's the best and- part when you're like, I'm sorry that I got fat. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I get the impression that he's being pretty sarcastic here. No, I don't think he is. I think he feels bad that he got fat. Aww. He does want to slim down. But here's the thing. He's like, I'm going to stop eating McDonald's and Burger King. Went. No, he never did. He fucking loved McDonald's. Yeah. Everybody in the documentary is like, nah, Wesley loved McDonald's. <laughs> he was always eating there. You know what? Let him do it. You know what? Honestly, it made, him ha- it made him so happy. If you're that fucking happy eating McDonald's, who am I? Who am I to stop you? Who am I to stop you? I mean, like, I- that's not a life choice I'm going to make, but. No, but I will enjoy seeing you enjoy that McDonald's that fucking much. But before I was fat, I was slim. <laughs> <laughs> like, I also love just how on the nose he is just like, here are factual items of my life. Before I was fat, I was slim. Let me tell you all the facts about how I got fat. <laughs> I started eating a lot of Wendy's and McDonald's. <laughs> he just he doesn't even sugarcoat it. And actually, I think no, they use there's another song he has called "Rock and Roll McDonald's," and they use that in the movie "Super Size Me." We need to stop talking about McDonald's because I want a Big Mac like Gross. hardcore. I right never now. want a Big Mac, so They're- I'll I'll bring you away from that. Yeah, please. Come with me to the I world of non-Big Macs. I don't want to be in that area. Maybe maybe some chicken nuggets. No. I could eat some chicken nuggets. Fries. Fries and all that. The fries are like, whatever. Burger King onion rings. Oh, yeah. I'd eat those. Oh, the worst heartburn. Mm-hmm. It makes my it. mouth go numb after eating like three of them. Yeah, they and definitely yet- put poison in those. Oh, yeah. There's definitely yet- poison in those onion rings. And yet I still eat them. Oh, yeah. Again, getting old. Welcome yeah, to the next old. episode of the Getting Old Podcast like, where we talk about heartburn. Seriously, in the last week, I have been seriously contemplating getting a heartburn maintenance drug. Yo, like, I was on Nexium for a while. That shit was really good. Yeah, and I'm like... I need I need to do that. Yeah. So now between his art and his music, he was gaining real notoriety in the area. Everyone knew this guy not just by his work and his distinct look, but by his personality as well. I'm not sure when exactly this started, but Wesley began to show his affection in an interesting way. If you look up pictures of this guy, Wesley Willis, you know what? Do it. You can do it do while it you're listening. Now. I'll talk really slow. I'll I'll vamp for a second so you can like open up your little browser. Look gonna, up Wesley you're Willis. Get on the Chromes, you're gonna type into the little bar yeah. and say Wesley Will Oh backspace. Oh, 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 oh. God damn it, too many L's backspace. Oh, my stupid Willi- fat thumbs. Willis. 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 Click. And there's pictures there of him. There he is. All right, now just open up one of those. You may notice something very distinct about his look. Right in the middle of his forehead is a large, dark circle. What is that? A tattoo? A tumor? Well, it's neither of it's those things. It's not a tumor. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, she's got to take the bait. She's got to take the bait. <laughs> you can't not take the bait. Well, what it is is a permanent bruise from headbutting people he sees. And it's not overly aggressive. He just does it that much. It was just another quirk that really endeared him to all that got close to him. He would just see you and he would just kind of grab the top of your head and bring you in for a little headbutt. Does, that sounds like it would hurt. It, I mean, like, I saw Maybe like, a video of him. It, it didn't seem like too bad. I just, it just, 
makes me picture this very large man just going up to people and smashing his forehead. No, into no, theirs. no. Like it's not like like he would he would grab your head, bring your head towards him so he wouldn't hit you too hard. Well, that's nice. Right? Let's consider he was very it. He is, he was a very all things considered, Wesley Wills was a very polite man. Yeah. Another distinct feature you may notice on his face is not from the same sweet place as his bruise. Back in 1991, Wesley was on a Chicago bus when he was attacked by someone looking to get money. When Wesley refused to cooperate, the guy slashed his face with a box cutter as well as his back. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, he was on the bus, just doing his thing, and this guy basically was like, give me all your money. Wesley's like, nah, bro, I'm not doing it. And so the guy just pulls out a box cutter and slashes down his face. So, was this person, like, older than us and had a lot of eye floaties? Because dude's six foot four, three hundred pounds, and that's the one you decide to I attack mean, on the bus. I'm gonna, and also if you really look at Wesley Wills' appearance, he has a lot of dreads. He does, he dresses in like sweatpants with sneakers. Okay. He has sneakers with no laces. His shirts don't fit him a lot, and it's like, yeah, this guy kind of looks homeless. Why would you attack another homeless man for money? Yeah, does first of all, does but he look been, like the one that has the money? But it might have been because he had like a discman. Discman? It's a Discman. 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 <laughs> is that is that my name's Robert Discman. I'm an attorney at law. <laughs> my father was David Walkman. <laughs> and his father before him. Um, anyway, uh but yes. So this guy just like fucking and I mean just like that Wesley he wasn't necessarily a violent dude. And maybe, like, in the area, like, people knew him enough to be like, he's not violent. And he mm-hmm. did have money on him from time to time. He was making money from his art and his music. And he didn't have a bank account, so he would just carry fucking cash with him all the time. That's a bad idea. And just pull out wads of cash. <laughs> and not, not, not a great and, idea. And not even realize that that's, you know, not, not great. Right, you shouldn't. He's, again, he's, he's kind of childlike in his yeah. way of thinking. Don't even worry, though, because... This guy was arrested and served a hefty prison sentence. And the experience inevitably served as inspiration for his music. And he wrote a song about it called He's Doing Time in Jail. <laughs> That's actually a pretty um, encouraging story. Right? Like, oh, you were a piece of shit? Yeah, you're going to jail. Because, you know... Well, but... But he's like... I think... I don't know for sure. I mean, he definitely was a person of, like, no money. Like, he was poor. It probably was a person of color. So, of course, he went to jail. If yeah. If he was a white person in the middle class, like if he was a dumb college white boy, he wouldn't go to jail. No. Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword there because... But this guy you, should you, go to jail. I'm not saying he shouldn't go to jail. I'm just saying. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like the victim is a a black man with a mental illness who looks like he could have been homeless. Right. Or he at least looks like he doesn't have a whole lot of fucking money. So it's, on you. it's great that the, a victim like that got, got justice. justice. You're right. But You're right. The person who perpetrated the crime could have been the same in the same kind of position, right? Or or a worse position. Who right. knows? Yeah. It. This story begs some questions. I digress. Yeah. The fiasco. Uh, was gaining more traction and soon began touring around the country just a little by a little. They managed to get the attention of popular musicians like Henry Rollins, Eddie Vedder, Mike D, and a bunch more. 
It's funny because I was going to say that um, when you were describing uh, the fiasco, it sounded like... Henry Rollins. It sounded like Black Flag mixed with Henry Rollins's uh, spoken word yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's like I was going to make I'm, that comparison, I'm, but I kept my mouth shut. Yeah. I'm sure um, they both inspired each other. Yeah. For sure. Henry Rollins really liked Wesley Willis. They were they were friends. He really enjoyed him. That's because Henry Rollins knows what the fuck is up. He does, though. Like, if you're wondering what the fuck is up, just give Henry Rollins a call. <laughs> he will tell you. Hey, what's up? This is Henry Rollins. <laughs> Let me tell you what's up. <laughs> uh, Mr. Rollins, do you know what's up right now? Yeah, I'm going to tell you everything that's up right now. <laughs> Henry Rollins, what's up hotline? <laughs> Can we make the Henry Rollins, what's up hotline? Fuck this podcast. We're making the Henry Rollins What's a Potline. Oh, this is this is the best thing we ever created. This is gonna be what makes us our thousands. This. We'll at least make a couple hundred. At least a few hundo. Because we're gonna have to pretend to be Henry Rollins. <laughs> we have really good Henry Rollins impersonations. But we just sound like Randy Macho Man Savage. <laughs> Why is it every impression just turns into fucking Macho Man? Because every impression should turn into Randy that's, Savage. That's, that's fair. That's fair. One person that Wesley specifically got the attention of was our friend Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin? Of Why course. are you in another one of our episodes, but yet you're never a topic? Hey, man. I'm Rick Rubin. What's up? <laughs> I, I heard you guys need me to slide into your podcast for a minute. And here I am. You like my Rick beard? Rubin. Like this beard. Yeah, my name's Rick Rubin. <laughs> he was so into who Wesley was that he signed him to the American Recordings label. And this was a big deal for someone like Wesley, who usually just released his music himself. He would do his own cover art. He did everything himself. He would just sit there and, like, I think on, like, just, like, one CD jewel case, just take the insert out and draw his cover art for it. Everyone was hand done. Everyone was hand done? No, I think it was just, like, the one. Everyone and- was hand done? Ah. Uh, Hand Duns for Everyone's. It's a good album name. Hand Duns for Yeah, we should write, we should write that down on our <laughs> list of album names. Um, but so, like, Wesley at this point, yes, was still in the fiasco, but he also was doing some solo stuff, too, because the fiasco wasn't enough for his creative outlet. <laughs> like, legit, it wasn't, though. This motherfucker has a lot of songs. But all of this did come at a price. When the fiasco would be out of town for long stints, that meant it was harder to keep track of Wesley's medication. On the road for too long meant he stopped taking it after a while. Hmm. Which Dale even admits in the documentary they almost encouraged because they kind of liked the spontaneity he would have on stage when he wasn't medicated. That's pretty irresponsible, though. Super irresponsible. That is... Very much what you should not be doing. That is manipulating somebody's mental illness for your own gain. And yeah. that is not right. Yeah. I do not approve. No, don't do that. We need to call the Henry Rollins hotline. <laughs> Henry, Henry Rollins, Rollins what's up hotline? <laughs> Henry Rollins, hot, what's up hotline here? What do you need to know? I'm going to tell you what's up. <laughs> do not exploit that man's mental illness for your own gain. That's what's up. <laughs> That's Henry, what's up. And I'm Henry Rollins. <laughs> That's what's up hotline. <laughs> It's amazing. I love it. It needs to happen. Keeping it. I'm going to fucking go by the GoDaddy website now. So spontaneity doesn't always show itself in the most positive ways, though. 
yeah, like, sometimes his performances be really lively, and they'd be like, oh, shit, like, we don't know what's going to happen. But, like, it also meant that Wesley's voices would get louder, more aggressive, and making him lash, making the lash outs worse and worse. The band began to fall apart. And add on top of that the fact that Wesley wanted to just start making changes to the band. He wanted to bring his keyboard on stage and start doing some more of his solo stuff, but the rest of the guys didn't like that, so it became a real point of contention for all of them. Mm-hmm. Eventually, by 1996, the Wesley Willis fiasco broke up. They're, they were days away from a big nationwide tour, too. Oh. But he just called it all off, and Dale remembers being pissed off about the whole thing, but leave it to Wesley to just continue on like nothing happened when he called Dale up two months later asking him to help record a solo record. <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah. Like, that Dale, is... Dale it recounts the story, and he's just like, he's like, Wesley calls, like, hey, what's going on? Um, Can uh, we get into the studio so I can record a record? Hey, man, I'm still really pissed you what happened. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But can, like, we get together and record? And, I mean, of course, Dale obliged, and their friendship remained intact. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how some mental illness works. You just kind of, like, all right, Roll I'm just... Roll with it. Yeah, just go with just it. Just go with it. You're like, he, he's not... This is fine. As I brought up in the beginning, many creative types use their mental illness as a tool for their craft. Wesley kept working hard, and not just on his music, but his drawings as well, so that, as he claimed, he could stay out of jail and keep the demons at bay. So music and art was the biggest thing that would... I mean, of course, medication. Yeah. Yeah, you need that. But I think also having this craft helped him focus on something positive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, without this, like I said earlier, who fucking knows what would have happened to him? Let me try to give a better understanding of how his schizophrenia presented. And now for most, the signs are hallucinations and delusions, and Wesley was not an exception. He had the voices that were in his head virtually all the time. He called them his demons and referred to them by names like Heartbreaker, Nerve Wrecker, and Mean Sucker. A majority of the time, he would hear them while on the Chicago bus line, which usually ended in him getting kicked off the bus, and he would call these his hell rides when the voices were really bad and really loud and he would just start talking to himself and beating himself, Mm -hmm. which was the alternative to his Harmony Joy rides, which is what he would refer to being on tour and doing his shows to. Huh. So you had the hell rides, which were the bad stints on the city bus, Mm -hmm. and then the joy rides, which were his great concerts. The demons would tell him he's a bum, a loser, an asshole, and try to get him to sabotage the good things he had going on. They would convince him to destroy his headphones so he couldn't drown out their voices, because that's why he listened to music all the time. Drowns out the voices. These episodes would get violent, but only on himself. He would hit himself or destroy things like pool pool cues and glasses. Like, he might throw things, but it's at walls. Mm -hmm. As far as my research tells me, he never hit someone else. And like any good artist, he took this and put it into music and would refer to his demons quite often in his songs. And then he got pretty blatant with the song Chronic Schizophrenia. Yeah, that's that's pretty on point. But when I have bad luck, I always hear evil voices talking to me vulgar. Everywhere I go riding on the CTA bus or his vulgarity, I hear no music at all. Chronic schizophrenia, chronic schizophrenia, chronic schizophrenia, chronic schizophrenia. 
Wesley's solo music is all very much like that. Repetitive chords and beats played on an electric keyboard while he sings, sings, speaks, really, his lyrics. This guy clearly knew how to write a song, and you gotta respect the fact that he's pretty much all self-taught. Is all he, that stuff he did is, on the keyboard. So he, I assume he primarily played keyboard. Yep, he would play with different types of keyboards, uh, you know, like prior start with like a Casio, but then, you know, upgraded. Yeah. And where you can like, preset your own chords and beats mm-hmm. and things. And I think he just, or he just taught himself how to do that stuff. So he understood chord structure. He understood rhythm. He, he understands how all that works. How to construct a song. Yes. Maybe he doesn't have the prettiest voice ever, but <laughs> I mean, I would love to hear... Yo, if there are covers of Wesley Willis songs, can you please send them to us? Because I need to know. Because I kind of want to cover some now and be like, what if I bouge this up a little? Yeah. He also had this interesting hook he added to all of his songs. At the very end, he would insert the phrase, rock over London, rock on Chicago, and then say the slogan for some company as a form of an unpaid ad. (laughs) I could never figure I could never figure out the taglines. I mean, Chicago makes sense because he's from there. And London is maybe because I assume he wanted to be an international rock star. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe just like London. I mean, yeah, the punk scene, London. Yeah. Maybe. I never and I and I if you know the answer to this, again, tell me. I tried really hard. Like none of the documentaries mentioned it and None of my, like, just interviews or research I could find talked about it. So I would love to find it. As far as the ads go, he sometimes attempted to get companies to pay him for the spot. It's a good way to get money. Right? He's a sm- he was a smart businessman. Yeah. It never happened, but it didn't hurt to ask. <laughs> Here's just a sample of the slogans he would use. <laughs> Taco John's, it's a whole lot of Mexican. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. Goose Island. It's Chicago's Crab Brewer. Which, what? Right? That's funny. Right? I don't, okay. Crab? Yeah. Brewer? Yeah. Did they make beer out of crabs? I don't know. Maybe... Where did you get crabs in Chicago? Maybe we should call it the Henry Lyle. I have questions. I have questions. Goose Island. <laughs> I, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't you, be surprised. First of all, you have to answer for the beer we're drinking tonight, but also I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> Rent-a-Center, it's the one store that has it all. TCBY, it's the country's best yogurt. Oh. I feel I mean, like my Wesley Willis turned into Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. <laughs> Dufresne. Party Ducks eat free at Subway. Escalator, now stairs. You're welcome for the convenience. No, you don't get to sit down. You need to turn into a search party. Dufresne's search party of five. <laughs> They let me order the club sandwich, even though I was not a member. <laughs> Fuck, I miss Mitch Hedberg. I miss Mitch Hedberg, God damn too. It. Everyone has ripped him off so hard since he passed away, and it's not fair. His ghost needs to come and take revenge. Yeah. And a lot of his songs were autobiographical. But a lot were just really weird. Like, suck a caribou's ass. <laughs> Suck a male camel's dick, suck a hyena's ass, suck a government's cock, suck a snow leopard's ass, suck a rhino's dick. Suck a camel's ass, suck 
at Caribou's ass. Suck at Caribou's ass. Suck at Caribou's ass. You know, listening through these songs, I understand now why college fucking pothead Maggie was super into this. <laughs> And I still have the sense of humor of a 12-year-old boy, so it's still really funny to me, even without the drugs. I mean, drugs. it's kind of fun to just be like, suck a hippopotamus dick. <laughs> suck a Labrador retriever's cock. <laughs> like, what? And then just go, suck, suck a caribou's ass. ass. Suck a caribou. Yo, suck ass. that caribou booty hole, though. The caribou on that video was like, yo, you want to suck my ass? <laughs> Oh, that's one surefire way to get me to leave the bedroom. But do you like my ass? <laughs> do you like this booty hole? <laughs> you want to suck my booty hole? This caribou booty hole? <laughs> caribou booty hole? <laughs> oh my God. We need to walk away from this because I am terrified now. <laughs> and here's the thing. The best part is that is not his only song about bestiality. He went on that kick for a while. <laughs> Like, you know, when kids discover fart jokes and won't stop making them. Like, I remember when I was a kid and my brother told me that joke, if you're American in the kitchen, what are you in the bathroom? European. Uh... But, like, as an eight-year-old, I thought that was the funniest shit anyone's ever said and there would never be anything funnier. We were so amused by dad jokes. That's what I mean, though. It's like, so Wesley Willis just was like a child and he yeah. would just hear it's these- like dirty dad jokes. Yeah. And he just, like, got on this weird kick. He also had, you know, all these other songs like this, including one called Whip the Llama's Ass, which for our generation should ring a bell for a different reason. Should it? It should. Um, you know what really whips the llama's ass? What? Winamp. I'm sorry, what? Did you use Winamp? Yeah. Don't you remember you'd open up Winamp and it'd be like, Winamp, it really whips the llama's ass. It my Winamp never talked to me, so no. <laughs> no, that was like their whole catchphrase. Winamp, it really whips the llama's ass. They got it from Wussy Willis. Uh, I did not know they even had a, f- a catchphrase. I didn't know you didn't know the catchphrase for Winamp. No, I, I didn't have that deep of a relationship you know with also, my Winamp. You know what I also really like is that there are people older than us and younger than us who have no fucking idea what Winamp is. Uh, I had different skins for my winamp. Yo, I had some hot anime skins for my right? winamps. <laughs> right? You had some beautiful Lord of the Rings ones, I'm sure. I had some more. No, wait, did I? Maybe. Probably. I could have. Yeah. Probably. You did. Um, I used some anime ones too. No, I had some beautiful Sailor Moon ones that I fucking loved. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the memories for me. Memories. Wow. Anyway, wow. Winamp still exists too. What? Yeah. Can you still get sweet skins? Because I might get rid of iTunes and use Winamp with the sweet skins. Um, Mike uses it as his primary uh, music playing. I mean, I wonder, if, I wonder if I can use it and get some sweet Rick and Morty skins now. You probably could. Oh my Pickle God. Rick! Pickle Rick! Winamp Rick! Oh my God, Winamp Rick! <laughs> Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland, here, ide- here are ideas. Winamp Rick! Now. They are probably like, Fucking everyone shut up. We don't even want to do this show anymore. Calling to the watchtowers of Rick and Morty. <laughs> Hear us now. Make Winamp skins. <laughs> well, fucking shout out if you know what the fuck Winamp it really whips Llama's ass is. Because I was really let down by that yeah, one. I'm sorry. I, did, I don't know. I don't know the it's thing. Right. It's all right. Well, in addition to all of this, 
He also would sing songs about people. Like, those he knew, also celebrities. Oh, boy. He has songs for Alanis Morissette, Johnny Depp, Elvis Presley. He even has one for the band Silverchair. <gasps> no! Yeah. I want to hear it. Yeah, you're going to have to download that shit because this is very hard to find on the internet. I had to Wait, search his discography. What, what were his opinions on Silverchair? He likes Silverchair. Oh, good. Good, good, good. They're all very positive. Good, good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> as far as people he knew, he wrote a song for his good friend, Carla Winterbottom, who did a lot to help him from letting him live in her apartment for a while to just in general, she would keep track of his mental state. And the song praises her for being such a good person. That's nice. Right? And actually, that was a big selling point for him, too. And that's why it got him so much local notoriety is when he would sing a song about somebody in the local scene, they would tell all of their friends and family to buy Wesley's album because there's a song about them on it. Oh, that's so nice. So I think it was also it was a term of endearment and also smart business move. That is a smart business right? move. Going solo was a good move for Wesley. He would open for bigger bands, and that got him even more exposure. He was making good money, but would run through it quickly and never really had a permanent place to stay. Despite being institutionalized a few times, he was never deemed severe enough to have a permanent place in special housing for those with like mental illnesses or disabilities. But he also never really managed to get his own place either. He didn't have a credit score, and he just didn't have that he high didn't have capacity. The yeah, to really understand how to do that. Yeah. So most of his life was spent crashing at the homes of friends. And Wesley kept doing what he was doing for the late 90s and the early aughts, where it all paid off in 2001 when his touring finally brought him across the pond to rock over London. <laughs> he was always unironically calling himself a rock and roll star. And now that was becoming kind of obvious to the whole world. Still underground, but shit, he's getting international notoriety now. Yeah. Life on the road made it hard for those close to him to really keep up on him and make sure he was properly taking care of himself. After one tour, he came home and many noticed he lost a lot of weight. Hmm. Now, for a guy that's big, because like, I think at one point, like he's big as he was like 350. That's pretty big. He's, even at 6'4", like pretty big guy. Yeah. So for a guy that big, you would think, well, this is good news. He's getting healthier. But uh, that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah, I don't think he was consciously like worried about his weight and it, consciously trying to lose it. McDonald's in London is probably healthier than McDonald's in America, but it's still not healthy. Yeah. So there's that. Wesley Willis was diagnosed with chronic myelogenous leukemia toward this, the end oh. of 2002. Wow. That fucked up my entire mouth trying to say that, and I still didn't say it right, and I'm sorry. <laughs> They treated it swiftly, and he was in remission for a little bit. Everyone breathed a sigh of relief. I can imagine he didn't have health insurance for this, though. Mm, probably not. So, I can imagine... Nobody really goes into, like, how to pay for it. I, yeah. I think I think people put collected money for they him. He must have. Which is awesome. Yeah, and well, here's the thing. I will say this. Wesley did make a lot of fucking money. I mean, oh. he was going on tours. Again, though, he just didn't know how to not spend it all on McDonald's and CDs. Or put it in a bank. Or put it in a bank. Yeah. So, I mean, he did have some money and probably people around him helped to take care of him. I hope so. <laughs> and it shouldn't really come as a surprise when I say he did not continue to treat it as he went back on the road. And like all his medications, his leukemia treatment was a distant memory. Oh, no. In the summer of 2003, it came back with a vengeance, 
and Wesley went into hospice. There's nothing more that could be done at this point. Wow. Yeah. He didn't stop working, though. His room was filled with art supplies and keyboards so he could continue to create in any of his mediums. On August 21st, 2003, Wesley Willis passed away from complications of leukemia. And he was only 40 years old. Wow. He was super young. And it came out of nowhere, too. Like, yeah. It came around, like, the end of 2002. He's diagnosed. They, they finally get in remission. He even wrote a song about his doctor. Oh. Right? No, he probably had a lot of friends. Like, you need to buy this album he, because there's a song about me on it. literally the exact opposite of Peter Seal, who wrote a song about his doctor and how much he fucking hates oh. him. <laughs> I mean, like, that's fair, too, though. I guess. They were both tall men, too. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah. You know, it came out of nowhere and then just, he went quick. But I also, I guess at the same time, thank God he went quick. Yeah. You don't want to have to deal with that for years. Throughout his entire career, Wesley made thousands of drawings and released somewhere around 50 CDs. Like, wait. 50. 50 albums? Yeah. Wow. Either with his band Fiasco on his own, maybe the ones through American Recordings, total somewhere around 50. That's insane. Give or take. He is a cult sensation in the underground scene for sure, and he worked hard for his notoriety. I know I've been making the joke all night that you have no fucking idea who I'm talking about, but I actually am sure that there are a small handful of people that's like, now I fucking know exactly who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's some fucking weird kids out there, and we just discovered Wesley Willis on a whim. And like we're like, this guy's kind of amazing. But many have begged the question, is it right to listen to Wesley Willis's music? Are we exploiting his mental illness for our entertainment? You have to admit that his schizophrenia lends itself to a lot of the things we enjoy about his performances. The vulgarity, the spontaneity, just the whole sporadic nature of his music. Crazy outbursts. But I get the full impression that he understood that his mental illness was part of the draw of his music. I think he did. It's hard to... Oh, but it, but then again, it's like he's mentally ill, so it's hard to make that, is he in the right mindset? You know, are we laughing with him? Are we laughing at him? Are we feeding his illness? I don't... I Granted, I don't know anything about, about him besides what you just told me, but I get the impression that he understood... That a lot of his creative genius was part of was intertwined with his mental illness. So you can't he wouldn't be able to create the music that he created if he right. didn't have it. And he was so clearly he, high functioning enough because they wouldn't yeah. institutionalize they would they when he even had brought him out bounce. on tour. Yeah. Or any of that if if he wasn't functioning. Yeah. Um, granted he didn't take his medication the way he should. He right. didn't take care of himself the way he should have but i think there was a level of consciousness on his part because even um people in the documentary say wesley knew how to tell you what you wanted to hear so yeah. someone said hey are you taking your medications he knew to say yup even if yeah. he wasn't yeah he was high functioning enough to understand that much mm -hmm. so i don't disagree that he probably also understood like yeah, sometimes like my voices are terrible and I fucking hate them, but maybe sometimes that this does help me to make my yeah. music. And also, I'm sure he understood that 
um, when he did act out on stage, he got a reaction from yeah. the audience and he liked that. And again, I, I mean, I think his schizophrenia gave him this childlike nature and mm-hmm. there's probably something else. And I'm sure there was something else in there. Oh, there, I'm sure there were, you know, a laundry list of mental health issues that he had that just went undiagnosed. Yeah. But like I said, so it makes you kind of childlike. So when you get a reaction, you, you associate that as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after watching the documentary and the videos of him and the friends around him, I really feel confident in saying that, no, we weren't feeding his mental illness. It is not exploitation for him at all. Mm -mm. Wesley truly loved what he did. Yeah. On top of everything, even knowing, like, like you said, like, having an idea that this is kind of what is a draw for me. He loved doing it. Right. To tell him not to do it would be like, what? But this fucking guy loves it. And what would he be without it? Right. And I don't think it's exploitive because no one punched down. Like I said, like he would not have done well. He would have been defeated as a person if we if they weren't letting him do his art and letting yeah, him do Yeah, if they to took do. that away from him, what would he have? And the way to to see how people talk about him even still now with this this like love and admiration. Like people absolutely loved him. They wanted him around. It wasn't like, oh, God, here's Wesley. We only need him around for, like, his music to make money. No one was doing that. It was, we liked having Wesley around because he was a great guy. Yeah. And, like, yeah, his schizophrenia was hard on all of us. You know, Dale says those years touring with him were some of the hardest of his life. And I'm sure, like, a lot of the people in his life were, like, sometimes some days were hard. But you have yeah. those friends where it's, like, some days it's hard, but when it's good, it's worth it. So I'm just going to stick yeah. through it. but who are any of us to oh. deny him the ability yeah. to go on tour if he and wanted to. To be honest, the only reason I brought it up was because I found some articles that question it. Like, oh, should we even really be listening? And I just I feel like that's an unfair assessment. I feel like that's someone who just listened to the music and watched a couple of videos but didn't actually look into his life. Yeah. And see how much rock and roll saved his soul. Yeah. It truly did. So if you feel like maybe we took advantage of this guy, then the proper way to make it right is to not forget about him. He's already underground, not really well known. All he ever wanted to be was a rock and roll star. So spread his message. Well, maybe not his message. Spread the... (laughs) You don't want to spread the message of fucking a caribou's ass. (laughs) I mean, no, don't do that. I mean, it's sweet caribou booty hole. Yeah. But But I mean, like, if you like McDonald's, I guess you could spread the word of rock and roll McDonald's. Yeah. You know, he had surprisingly insightful lyrics, too, where he would start off with, like, man, I love McDonald's and Burger King, but also, like, here are the grams of fat in a Big Mac and a Whopper. (laughs) He was a very interesting man. But spread, you know, his music around. Spread his art around. Even if you don't like his music, you're like, I don't know about this. His art is pretty amazing. Yeah. His story needs to stay relevant, especially because he has a mental, he had a mental illness. He thrived despite it. And the art made him thrive. And this is a great example of how being an artist can truly save you. Mm-hmm. I think he has a great story. So thank you, Wesley Willis. And I will continue to listen. I'm sorry I got fat after a night of drinking an entire <laughs> box of wine and eating pizza. Yeah. Oof. I I am sad that he is not here with us anymore, but I am also kind of glad that it wasn't his mental illness that got him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Leukemia at 40 and it just like fucking took him. Yeah. Crazy. Damn, it's a crazy dude. story. It's he has, he has a very crazy roller coaster story. Mm-hmm. So listen to his music. It's even if you just want to listen to it for the lols. I don't think he'd care if you're listening to it for the lols. I think he would be happy about that. Like there's yeah. a there is a big difference between laughing at somebody 
and laughing with somebody. Yeah. And I think people that would listen to him and be interested in him are in on it with him. Right. They're not laughing at him. If you are laughing at him, fuck you. Yeah. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. No, he, no, but no, nobody wants you around. Nobody anyway, wants you around. So. And you know what else you should do? Download Winamp. <laughs> For the Bring sweet back Winamp. Skins. I need those sweet skins. Oh, those sweet fucking skins. Ugh. All I could ever fucking find were fucking car skins. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. People love I their car skins. Oh, so stupid. So weird. so weird. Tons of like tentacle porn kind of skins. What websites were you on? Just the regular fucking Winamp skins. Huh. Okay. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Tentacle porn is always a good place to wrap yeah. it up. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you. We hope you love us. We hope you love Wesley and listen to his music because it's great. Mm. And, and Mental Health Month will continue next week. Yes. With, um, with a similar story. Similar story, a part two of sorts. Yeah, a part two of paranoid schizophrenia of sorts. Yeah. Like a different, uh, the other side of the coin of paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. I think. And it'll be also, I think we'll bring Wesley back a little bit for that too, as a comparison maybe. Yeah. We'll have we'll have points. We'll have talking points. It'll be interesting. We're very thoughtful here at Rock Candy Podcast. <laughs> when we're not drinking. But we're always drinking. <laughs> but also drinking. when we're drinking. Also, let's start that fucking Henry Rollins What's Up Hotline. Henry Rollins What's Up Hotline. Oh, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> if you guys oh think the Henry God. Rollins What's Up Hotline is a good idea, maybe you should reach out to us. On our social media pages. Because that's our What's Up Hotline. That is our What do you, If you would like to go to our What's Up Hotlines, hit our social medias up. We got Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. And we got Instagram and Facebook at Rock Candy Podcast. And our website's www.rockcandypodcast.com. And we're going to tell you what's up. Yup. Yup. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck. All right. This is where we're tying a nice little bow on it. We'll see you kids next week. Thank you so much. Until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Get your balls out. And your thank yous. <laughs> Fucking caribou's ass. That caribou booty hole out. <laughs>